Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Listening to Wake Up Hollywood with Nikki Corula and Eddie Pence, right here on LA Talk Radio. Everybody. Wake up, Wake Hollywood! Up. <laughs> Hollywood. That's, that's the rooster. It's always it's become there. our like you know. It's become our logo. The rooster needs to die at some point, right? No, come on. The roosters die. The rooster has to live on. Oh, it's an iPad. Well, you know, it's, it's eternal. It, wake up, Hollywood. It makes sense. We're waking up. Way to start things off. How was your week? What did I do this week? What I, uh, did you do this week? I just uh, fuck. What have we been doing? Fuck. Jeepers. I don't know. You, like I always prepare for that question every week when you ask it to me, and then when you ask it to me, my mind goes blank. Did you say acid? Are you periscoping to me? this? This is. <laughs> Did uh, you just say acid to me? Acid, acid to me. Okay, acid to me. All right. So, uh, what did you do this week? I don't know what. It, uh, what did I do this week? I um. Did you do? A I, I took my kids Lego Star Wars spaceships. Dude, why didn't you invite me for that? Shit? And I hung them on the ceiling. That's awesome. So they're flying around his room. That is awesome. So I'm waiting for the earthquake. <laughs> to crush when him. he gets showered with Legos. <laughs> How big are the spaceships? Yeah, you know, big size. You know, I don't know. Like, a, like foot, a, a foot. Okay. All right. And you built them? I yeah. I, which well, which ships? No, Millennium Falcon. I have them in Falcon. It's too heavy to hang. Oh, dude, that would it's too be, heavy. That'd be but I hung one. the X wing, the B wing, the A wing. Okay. All right. The uh, Naboo fighter. No Death Star? No Death Star. Is there a Death Star Lego? There is a Death Star Lego. That's awesome. God, I need to get some of those. (laughs) You should. You should. They're expensive as hell. I'm sure. I'm sure. Legos used to be cheap. Remember back then? That's before they got branded. Yeah. And then, That's just when they were just random, like, spacesuit guy and police, and police officer. Yep. And there was, like, a green. I always remember the green. It looked like a yeah. big red That's why they were cheap back then. But now then they got branding on them. Now everything's, like, superhero or Star Wars. and That's awesome. Yeah. So he is he is he excited about it? Oh, he loves he just it. Like, he loves it. Yeah, that's cool. I'd be kind of pissed because, like, they're up there and you can't play with them anymore. Well, but, you know, you're always, like, looking at them like, whoa. And, and then you build a new one. I got I to dust these things. <laughs> yeah, 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 I took Otis to Santa Barbara Fiesta. You ever been to Fiesta? No, dude, it's pretty. Fun. What is it? A party? It's a huge street festival with like lots of food and music. And did you perform the, the big? No, I performed at it before, but this time I just went just to like hang out. And um, there, the big thing there is confetti eggs. Have you ever used confetti eggs? I know what confetti is, and I know what eggs are. Well, back in the day when I was a kid, way back when. There was a fair at my little school, and they had confetti eggs. They drain the eggs, and they they put a whole bunch of confetti in it, and they put tape on it. So you can smash it on people's heads, and confetti goes everywhere. So the big thing about Fiesta is there are confetti eggs everywhere. So everybody 
has just like a bald, like smashing confetti eggs all over everybody. Pretty fun. Yeah. And Otis was so, like a celebrity in that place. I mean, so many people stopped him to take pictures with him, to pet him. I mean, and he was such a champ. Like, he was just like soaking it all up. He was. Are you guys periscoping each I'm now, other? Yeah, I'm now periscoping Jeepers. him. <laughs> While he's periscoping me. Get a room, you two. We have three viewers. <laughs> So there's confetti eggs that you're just making litter messes all over. Yeah, Santa and they Barbara. they have like little themes. Like you can get a Spider-Man confetti egg. Is it get... paper? What do you mean? Is it paper? Like is it like all real like confetti? Are, are the eggs paper? Well, no, the eggs are real eggshells. So someone took the time to hollow out eggs, dude, and then it's... fill them with that. And you know what? You know what's crazy? You can get four for a dollar. So I'm like, what's the profit margin with that? Like really, that's got to be pretty low. Yeah, this seems like a huge pain in the ass but for no reason. It's awesome too. I mean, I had I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle confetti eggs. I had Spider Man confetti eggs. I had Minion confetti eggs. It was pretty awesome. It seems like a lot of trouble to and make a then huge mess. I went to the grand performances. Speaking, speaking on Saturday. as a parent, that seems like a lot of trouble. <laughs> you know what? It's it's a pretty a messy mess. festival. I mean, there's just confetti everywhere. Um, it was pretty fun though, and Otis loved it. And then Saturday, I went to grand performances, saw Aloe Black. I don't know if you know Aloe Black. I don't know Aloe Black. Aloe Black's like a soul artist. Uh, I actually met him uh, a couple years ago at South by Southwest. He's just a badass. Just a really great dude. You know that song, Wake Me Up. So wake me up. Wake yeah, that's, that's him. him. That's him. Oh. So uh, he performs. Aloe West? Aloe, Aloe Black. Black? Aloe Black. Yeah. Aloe West. <laughs> and then uh, Sunday, I saw Vacation. Have you seen that movie? I haven't. Dude, kind of disappointing. Well. Any remake of a classic movie like that? The first one like was that? good. I don't know why you need to... Well, I, 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 I totally agree. Well, you know, the premise is it's the son yeah. taking his I kid to, to Waterboard. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I thought it would be decent. You know, I, thought I it was didn't like, think it would be decent. I thought it would be like, okay. It was okay. It just wasn't that great. Yeah. There's, like, there's, there's a lot of movies like right around this time of year where it's just like, yeah, you pretty much you, you blew it. Did you see Mission Impossible by chance? I saw Mission Well, I talked about that last week. I thought you didn't see it last week. I saw it last week. Okay. Well, we talked about the stunts. Well, let's, let's stay And current. you thought you thought the airplane stunt was more impressive than the motorcycles. I'm like, there's no way. The motorcycle is way more well, impressive. Well, both than of the them. Airplane. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot these Just things. Saying. Jeez. Did you, did you do any stand-up last week? No. Any performances? I haven't performed. Oh. In, like over a week. Jeepers. It sucks. Jeepers. I have some stuff coming up at the end of August. So. Oh, well, where are, you, where are you performing? I like to keep it secret. Keep it secret until like keep it a week secret, before. Keep it safe, so people uh, know what, what's going on. You guys are totally not really paying attention. No, I am. I just, this, is, have, this is the new trend. We of, have four. We have four solid viewers right now. Who's viewing? Like I have no viewers? idea. I have or no just idea. random people. Oh, five. Like, we got a fifth one. We have in. five people watching us right now. Yeah. How many That's, do you have? You can, am I allowed to talk? You can. He's not allowed to talk. <laughs> How many do you have? I, I was trying not to talk. Three. It's it's the same three every time I'm on this thing. I don't I don't get. I had there was one time where 400 people watched me uh, um, periscope my way to set. I drove to set. And 400 people. Watched and 400 it? people 400 checked people? in. See, last wow. time I did this. That's uh, it. I did this about. I a typed month. in boobs in here. And, oh, that helps. No, it did. By the way, that's our special oh. guest, Brian. That means, that you can, means you can walk in. <laughs> I'm getting off right now. I, par- I periscope. No, in, the, in, the, in a good way. I, I no, Wait, I'm no. periscoping. Get off now. Well, you're already on. Oh, we have eight. Um, oh no, I. What happened? I think somebody killed killed Brian. You killed me. I, I periscope. <laughs> <laughs> I periscoped this show like a month ago, and. Uh, my friend Jen Sturger told everyone to watch, and we had for a minute like 600 people. Well, yeah. What? And, really? And then they all realized Jen wasn't in the show, <laughs> and it went back down to the seven or Jen's five. been a guest on the on this but show. But she wasn't on that specific show? No. She just said, hey, check out Eddie's podcast. Look, Periscope, they're just looking for boobs. 
Yeah. Of they course. literally are just looking for it's titties. The new chat roulette. Yeah, they're just looking for titties, and when they don't find the titties, they move on. Not saying <laughs> I have joined. You guys are just promoting the disappointment of young males everywhere. We just got eight. <laughs> young and nah, old. Oh, no, they exist. I've stumbled upon them on several occasions, but it's but that's the sad thing. It's like you can you – can, what I do is I, I if you go, there's that one page, and you can watch numbers go up and down. And what's funny is it's actually more entertaining to watch the numbers – when you see that it's clearly a girl that has posted something and you watch the numbers start spiking and then you see them disappointingly drop immediately when they realize they got there and it wasn't what they expected. <laughs> and so you just, everybody you just want sex. Everybody yeah. wants sex. Boobs, Which is boobs, again, boobs. nothing wrong with that, just, but it's just, like, how just, does the rest of the stuff get I in? I just ended our periscope. We had 13 total viewers Yeah, and nice we had a done. 7% retention. Yeah. What's retention? That means 93% of those people were very disappointed that they even <laughs> oh, showed up there. He just went like, what the <laughs> hell is this? That means they got in and they got out real yeah, quick. Yeah, but why would they get into this? I mean, that's I, I, Well, random. my mind, I typed in the word boobs. Oh, see. So you tricked like, them. Yeah. Tricked yeah, you know what that trick got? 15 viewers. <laughs> 15 horny Nicely kids. Nicely done. You guys are successful. I, I will say, though, that um, I still think stuff like that is good for the... I lo- I'm a huge fan of the believing that the internet's going to is here to save the world because people have just been so ignorant and so stupid for so long that at least now you can get the information if you know how to use it properly. Yeah, that's true. But I was on Periscope... Um, I know. I, I, am, I, am I supposed to be on right now, or do you yeah, guys need to finish your time? Hey, no, 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 you're on. Our you're guest on. this week, Mr. Brian Irwin. Brian Irwin, all right. Well, no, I wanted to make yeah. sure. I didn't want to well, wreck your guys' need a your dialogue. Well, wait, let's do, let's do it again. One more time. Right. One more time. This is Brian Irwin there coming you. at you. Oh. Our studio audience loves you already. That's good. Warming up to you. Uh, that last uh, applause break was brought to you in standard definition. <laughs> the um, Analog. An analog. Uh, mono. Uh, the good kind. The uh, um, so I, I, a couple of days ago there uh, it was a one year anniversary I believe in Ferguson right yeah it was like was it yesterday or two days ago uh, like that. Uh, yeah really? so they were protesting wow. on the streets again and it was I, th- th- there was a guy that was live streaming from there I don't know if he was a if he was a reporter or not didn't matter the point was that he was in there he was walking around and I thought oh this is interesting there was a lot of people protesting right and it wasn't on any of the news networks and that's what I found that was so interesting about it was I was watching stuff unfold before anybody was even reporting on it because this guy has this phone and he's showing the world what's going on. He's periscoping this. Now, of course, uh, where it all fell apart was the fact that people are still stupid and racist and started calling black people monkeys and, of course, (sighs) using the N-word and telling people to get jobs and stop being stupid and go home and that everybody's a criminal there. And and you you start reading this and you just want to reach through and you want to strangle each yeah. every one of those people that has yet yeah. to actually learn. You know, it's it's really sad that like America's become so divided. I mean, it's like we've come so far, but we're like we're going backwards. It, now. it I think it's always been as divided. It's, it's just we're like now that. exposed to each other on a yeah. That's like, what well, it is. But it was like, it was like blatantly divided, and then it's like you know Congress yeah, but, made some maneuvers so that we would kind of evolve and it'd be a little bit more accepting. And in a lot of ways, like California, New York, all the like coastal cities. I mean, for the most part, are super accepting and super, like, evolved. But I just find sometimes that, like, people, like, just go backwards. They just feel like, oh, yeah, separate is cool. People are very... (laughs) People are very... So dumb. Tribal, and they very... They like to keep to... I mean, it's just... It's a natural basic instinct to try to keep to what is... Like, what you're used to and what you're from. 
So when you try to change that, people just get. Like, yeah, but I, I have to always have two questions. One, what are you afraid of? Yeah, exactly. And they can't really genuinely they never answer ask that, question that question they because never you're clearly afraid them. of something. Well, not only that, it's like when you have that much hate inside you. God, how? Why would you want to live like that? Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like that is a that's a bigger burden than any point you're going to prove. Well, the other thing is too, white people are trying to own the world and always have tried to own the world. So I mean, that's the other big part of it is that they're duped by a small group of people that want to control the world. They have brainwashed all the other uh, ignorant white people. Not all white people are ignorant, but it's just like when you look at the world and how it's developed and what we as a race have done, we've right. kind of fucked it up. Well, you know what? I had a weird moment going into this, to the vacation movie. For a split second, right before the movie started, I was like, oh my God, what if somebody had a gun in here? Because there's been so many movie shootings... I've never had that thought in a movie theater in my entire life. And for the first second, I was like, whoa, I should actually like pay attention to the exits and stuff. That's why, and you, that's why you sit in the back row. Well, I did. But it's still, <laughs> it's like, dude, I've never had that thought in a movie theater in my life. And yeah, now but they knew so nobody would be in the vacation movie, so no one would be going <laughs> You're okay. Yeah, there was, there was, the, the numbers were down. <laughs> they're gonna go they were like uh, editized Periscope numbers the at the it's theater. Like, it was a bad movie, though. Yeah, was, they're not going to go to that movie. You know, the funny thing, it was, it was just what, it just didn't come together very well. It, it, it just Speaking of where you sit in a movie theater, you know, I, I don't know if the theaters you guys the theaters I go to now they've they've moved into you have to get reserved seating of like course. you can no yeah. longer go yeah. and just sit wherever you want, which is there's good and bad to I, that, right? I actually don't mind that. I don't mind that either. I mind it when you have to sit in the front row. Have you ever tried to watch a movie in the front row? Well, I don't, you get vertigo. That's what you need to times. you need to plan ahead. That's why you plan well, but, ahead. But, who, and not but why is anybody? On, why ahead. is anybody sitting in the front row? That's my point. Like I tried, I tried, and I was like, this is even like the mind some people be like that for some what are they reason? like i don't know i, I don't, I like don't that. know that's I, why they, if you go to the arc light there's really not a bad seat in that theater because the front row is so far back from the movie screen. that's different but some of these front rows man you are literally looking straight up into the ceiling oh i saw dark knight when it came out front row for imax and it was like batman was in my lap <laughs> i was like Jesus, this is not a great way to watch the movie you had a sore neck when you were done <laughs> i did yeah seriously. Well, that's because you were blowing your body <laughs> oh <laughs> easy there hi yo hi yo oh yeah. Well, sometimes when they're that, when they're full of that much joy, well, we they, they release a lot of. It's too much social commentary in this show. <laughs> oh. So sitting, Brian, sitting, sitting in the front row is social commentary. It's just too much. Brian, you're it's a comedian much. and writer, comedic writer, I assume. Yeah, comedic writer. So tell us how you got. I have a drama that. side. You saw that there. We're talking about Ferguson. I'm it dramatic. was very, it was very oh. MSNBC of you. You're, Thank you. Racist. you're so racist. So. <laughs> You keep on bumping into the mic. It's no, like, I don't know what that is. It sounds is. like you like fall into. <laughs> what is this thing in my face? It no, it's, it's not it. No, no, no. This is my nose. I got a bigger nose. It's going over the thing and it's blowing into the. Watch, watch, watch. Oh my god, you're blowing over the breath guard. That's what it is. Your nose is hanging over the breath. I'm guard. not used to these bullet Dude, it's lights. Called, it's called a pot filter. Well, you're no, you're I don't, no, your nose doesn't keep breath growing. Guard. Your nose right. does keep growing. Okay, here's the thing. First off, my headphones don't work that well, so I don't even know if I'm actually enough. <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually being is heard well. Or no? so. Is that better? We, Wait, one, of the, one of the that's things went out. Oh, well, one, of my, one of my things uh, crapped out we on me. So. We have a backup set. See, so you were make fun of me all you want, but I actually was just trying to compensate. There we go. <laughs> is that better? Oh, yeah. Oh, huge. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That, I was overcompensating that whole time because I thought the mic wasn't on. <laughs> so, so how long have you two dated? <laughs> uh, I've known Brian for... Go ahead yeah, and I don't say even remember. Somewhere in the 2000s. Yeah. And probably, you, probably about 10 years. How'd you get involved really. in comedy and writing and all that stuff? Well, I used to work in radio. <laughs> I used to have dreams. I, I used tell. to be a radio <laughs> disc jockey, as you can tell by my mic work. I'm really good at that. That's shocking. 
Uh, yeah, no, I used to I used to work in radio. Then I managed bands. I had a couple worked with a couple bands that were on uh, um, record labels. Then I went back into uh, radio, and the whole time I always wanted to do something for myself because yes, you know when you manage bands, you're basically a I'm a babysitter. I was a babysitter. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm a band leader. So. Yeah, you're a babysitter. It's the same thing. Yeah, I always got to find out what the drummer's doing next. So, <laughs> the uh, uh, I eventually just was or like, not doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there he is. He's doing something. He's got your back. Uh, the the guy, the drummers in my bands just had all they did was have sex. That's just all they did with everybody <laughs> all the time. But they were also they, they, were, they were always the funniest guys though. And so they know they I bolt in all the bands. They were always the funniest, most social guys. They they knew. <laughs> They knew where to pick up the slack. Anyway, so... Um, well, it's because they don't have to play by rule. They, I mean, well, the drummer more... essentially creates the beat himself, right? Like, he yeah. doesn't follow... No, no, no. The well, drummer's the needier one in the band. Yeah, like, all bands come down to your drummer. Like, yeah. If your drummer's awesome, then you're going to be pretty good. Yeah, and he's going to get pretty laid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, eventually, I was working and I was doing uh, morning and afternoon drive in radio stations every in between getting fired from them. And I was just like, screw it. I'm going to try. I've always wanted to try stand up comedy. So, I just I used the power of radio because I was already in radio, especially if you don't work for a really good radio station. They do these live broadcasts or these uh, personal appearances for the DJs. But if you have a shitty radio station, they're really mad at you that they've paid for you to come there because they pay you really well, like 200 bucks an hour, and you just show up. And you're throwing T-shirts at people and giving away CDs and stuff like that. But they send you these places and nobody wants you there. Right. So I was just working the mic and just being hated. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I'm going to fucking do this. I'm ready. I might as well do stand-up. I'm, I'm ready I for stand-up well be, at this point. I might as well be hated talking about what I want to talk about. <laughs> I might as well script the better script yeah, for myself. Exactly. I can't only talk about Ice House beer for so long. Did, which you, I'm did you start in Wisconsin? Or I did. did start I started in Milwaukee. No, I started Milwaukee. in Milwaukee. I did, I did. Dude, I played Summerfest every year. Summerfest, the largest music favorite. festival in the United States right. of America See? and not promoted because they don't need, they don't need to because it sells out every night See that the Eddie? whole time. Mm. I made it to the big time. You're it is so a huge. massive, it's massive. So Next year's going to be my 10-year anniversary yeah. playing that festival. Yeah. I, I Summerfest is a... The Summerfest grounds are... In, and I, I was uh, actually um, one of my uh, old music buddies, Scott Zeal, actually runs Summerfest now. Wow. You get older and you grow up and one of my other music buddies is now the head of Electric Records and uh, I'm here with you guys. So... <laughs> Lost my job. Just there it is. The drummer's back. Yeah. Just that riff That's got him laid. I asked you, you to be the guest. I asked you to be the guest on my show. That's how bad I am. <laughs> Why is that bad? We're, I was just trying to take it from where he. Never mind. <laughs> I actually liked working in the music business and, and to, to, to kind of bounce all over the place. I actually had a really fun time. And when I worked in radio, we used to actually. I became the promotions director for a while and actually had to put on big summer not summer fest types of events but like massive music festivals and stuff like that where you're you know you're bringing in 75,000 people and and it was really cool I actually brought the Violent Femmes back to Milwaukee because they hadn't That's played awesome. there in like 10 years because nobody wanted to like alternative music so they kind of walked down the city and I orchestrated bringing them back into the city of Milwaukee and stuff like that. So, so it was some really cool stuff I got to do. I love Milwaukee. That's, that's like the first music festival we got into. We played Bonnaroo and a whole bunch of others. Um, but it's my favorite. It's my favorite. They put us on the biggest stages. They treat us like we're fucking rock stars and it's like amazing. They put us on TV. I mean, the whole bit. It's it's rad. It's and rad. you get to wander around and check out other stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of yeah. the beauty of that thing. And, and everybody's so chill there. I mean, except the for the couple guys too, that drink and take their shirts honestly, off. Honestly, it's their heads. like you know, I've done a lot of opening slots for like big bands all over the country. But when I play Summerfest, I actually get a real hang with the big opener. You know what I mean? Like 
I opened for Ray Lamont, and we hung out in the dressing room with the whole band for like an hour and a half. And it was like, dude, this is what it's about. Right. But you don't get that opportunity all the time. When no. you, even when you play a big stadium tour, it's like you, you're in, you're out, you barely see them, you shake hands, blah, 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 you're out. <laughs> exactly. But uh, Summerfest just gives you like this you know, like this hang that you don't get anywhere else. So, no. And they've got know, it dialed in there. They, they really do. know how to treat the artists well. Yep. And yep. obviously the audiences love it. Well, this year we opened it for Gary Clark Jr. And then we came back and Public Enemy had a like a an after party in our hotel. So we were hanging out with Public Enemy. It was just wild. It was just like, dude, only in Milwaukee. Can this happen, you know? And you guys have the bronze fonds. I mean, That's right. The bronze fonds is there. It's it's badass. It's I don't badass. know if Wink was a fan of it, but, uh, you know. He's got to be. I mean, it's a bronze statue of the Fonz. <laughs> well, what's not to like, really? That's where it was set, right? Milwaukee? Well, let's talk well, about Yeah, but here. But, what yeah. bands did you manage? Uh, I worked with a band called The Guffs. They were on Atlanta Records in the mid-'90s. Another band called Citizen King, which was on Warner Brothers. The, the Guffs never really took off. Citizen King had one hit, uh, remember, Better Days. Better Days, yeah. they had a top 40 hit. But that album is a great album. But it never took off. I would I would compare it to it. It should have had the same success that Sugar Ray had. You right. managed stylistically. You managed that band, the better day, like song, the better days. I was a tour manager. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember the that guy song. that now runs Electric Records was their actual band manager. Oh. Yeah. Tour manager, man, that's that's gotta be tough, man. You know what? I, it's, it's again, it's a young man's business. I was enjoying it for a while. Right. I did. It did destroy my first marriage, but you know. <laughs> but other than that, listen. I, there, I always people would always ask you when you tour, which is why I don't tour as a comedian because I tour manage. Right. A band, and so I just don't want to do that grind again. Totally. When, when people I'm, I'm ask right you, there now. I'm yeah, right there now. and you know this deal, when people ask you what's the road like, you say, "Well, if you ask me that when I'm in Toledo, I'll tell you it fucking sucks. If you ask me when I'm in New York City, I'll tell you it's a uh, fucking amazing." You Why did you quote Journey and say they say the road's no place to raise a family? <laughs> <laughs> Because I did. I actually, I have 17 children. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm in the same place. It's like, I love touring, but I want to do it maybe five days every three months. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to tour any more than that. It's like, I want to do more work in town and stay creative. But I love, the thing is, like, summertime, I love festivals. It's yeah. Just, it's, a, it's just a gigantic party that makes you realize, I'm really lucky to do this. Yeah. You know, that's so, kind of your payoff, right? As musicians, yeah. the summer festivals, because it's just massive audiences everywhere you go. They're embracing everything. That's kind of like... How did this turn into an interview of me now? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. But it's about music. Well, it's well no, because I, I have a music background. <laughs> I know. I, do you, it's just hilarious. Just, <laughs> it feels like we got to get more comics on the show. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> No, anyway, talk, then we get one eye talks about music. I'll, I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish with this. As well, far tell as me the, a funny uh, story that you had when you were on tour, because oh, you'll you'll get a you'll get a load out of this. I'll get a load. All right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? I'll get a you load. You got that. Speaking of loads, here's the story. I don't know how funny it is, but um, when I was tour managing Citizen King, the, the the lead singer was one of those types of guys. I was always trying to like take everything to the next level. Right, always. So we were in, uh, um, I, I don't know if it was like some Vietnamese restaurant somewhere in, uh, in New York City. And um, as we sit down, he calls over the waitress and he's like, I want a, a, the hottest, hottest stuff, thing you have on the menu. And they're like, okay, well, it's this. And he goes, is this as hot as it gets? And they're like, well, yeah, it's a powder we put on it to make it really hot. He goes, do you have anything hotter than that? They're like, yeah. And he's like, can I have that? They're like, no, you cannot. And he's like, no, no, I want that. And they're like, no, you cannot have this. And he's like, no, no, I want it. And he's like, and then so, of course, you know, the money starts coming on the table with all the bands. Like, okay, can he handle it? And finally, the people are like, fine, we'll go get it for you, but we're not happy about this. Like, they literally were like, we really don't want to do this, but if you say you want to do it. So they bring out his meal, 
and uh, some sort of noodle concoction. And they bring out this thing. It says it was like Hell's Fire or something like that. And as the, the waitress is setting the thing down on the table, we look over and everybody from the kitchen has left the kitchen to come out and see <laughs> what oh. is going to happen to this guy. And when you saw that, you know trouble was on the way. Because there's otherwise they don't care. They probably hear this all the time, right? And so, you, so when we saw this, we're like, oh, boy, this is not going to be good. And he noticed it, and he was like, all right, I, I, I have to challenge myself. So he, <laughs> he, he pours it on there, and he starts eating. And he's like, it's all good. It's all good. And then we noticed his whole body started getting really red. Oh, my God. And he was like, no, it's fine. He's like, can I have some water? Can I have, can I have some, some water? And he just started like sweating profusely. And he's like, no, no, I can, I can keep doing this. And he keeps trying to eat it, right? And like everyone is like, you should probably stop, dude. And he was like, no, no. And he started getting like a red that was like a dangerous red. Not like, ha you had some hot stuff. So finally, we got him to stop eating it, right? And then everybody came out and applauded him. Probably because they thought this would be the last time he was going to be alive. So on the way home, uh, he was wearing white pants and he shit his pants so bad. <laughs> Oh. And had to walk because you know in New York we didn't we we're taking cats we were walking for like seven blocks. Dude, that's he terrible. walked with he a lot of shit. Of oh, lost oh. for two days. It oh. wasn't just a one day thing. That's the thing is he wanted to be the tough guy, right? And Dude. he paid for that smart. for two days. What Not was so it? Smart. Do you know what it was they put on it? I don't know. I mean, some, I'm sure those things are all chili powders, right? And it's oh, just yeah. a concoction. But I would uh, I would you don't never mess with that. Like, no. I went to a South African restaurant, and you never think South African food is that spicy. And I was like, yeah, make it spicy. And they made it spicy. And I was like, my, my I mean, I can handle spice. But, man, I, my whole face was sweating. I was like, I had sniffles. I mean, it was so hot that it was uncomfortable. And I was like, dude, this is crazy hot. And they were like, well, that's a three on a scale of 15. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And they were like, no, like these, these Indians from South Africa come in here and they ask for a 15. And it's just it, – it's so – like ridiculous. What's enjoyable? That's, about a, that's that my whole thing. Like, is how do you enjoy thre- sweating and threshold. eating? It's a threshold. Like, well, it's it, it's your genetics. First off, right? You have you have a, a whatever your high tolerance is. Like my tolerance is very low. So. Right. Once I start sweating, I already have decided this meal is no longer fun to me. <laughs> well, that's, I am that's, not getting any enjoyment out of it. Like this. The, the point where I'm like, okay, if it goes any farther, this is not enjoyable. Is when my cheeks start sweating. If my cheeks start sweating, then I'm like, that's the peak. I'm still enjoying it, but I'm like, how are you enjoying it when your cheeks are sweating? How is that enjoyable? It, it feels good, man. I love that spice. I love spicy food. So you get a rush. You're getting an adrenaline rush I too. I, I think that's like part it. of the thing. But I've been. I mean, I was raised that way. Like okay. I've been eating spicy food since I was. Like I was tortured four. as a child. Well, you know what? It's it's crazy. Like now my, I'm in love with like pain. My parents used to eat spicy food for breakfast when I'd have like waffles. And I was like, dude, that is so crazy. How, how could you do that? And then I went it's to like, India. Oh, we, we're numb in the mouth. It's like you just do that. And then it's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Now I love having spicy food in the morning. It's like, man, it's crazy. It's good, though. It's as long as you're not shitting your pants. Don't, I don't, don't shit my pants. No, I'll no. tell you what. You can do it. Just don't wear white pants. Okay? Now, if you've learned anything. Wait. So how did you – he was in the – he had, he shit in the pants. Shit in, in his the, pants. In the car? That, no, no, no. We were walking. Oh, so, okay, oh. okay. I forgot to finish the rest <laughs> of the story. He was vertical and shit himself. So everybody, of course, you know, in typical <clears throat> immature fashion, right, young males, everyone's like, oh, get away from me. Ass cooties, right? So, like, nobody wants to be with the guy anymore, right? So somebody flags down – <laughs> a taxi everybody gets in he tries getting in somebody kicked him back out the door <laughs> closed the door and just left him in the street so he had to, he walked home by himself with shit underwear on oh my god that's terrible these shitty white pants but the thing home. is is he was such an idiot because it's like we were out there to at the time we weren't signed 
so we were showcasing for all the record labels and they were a fairly popular band at the time. So this was, this was kind of our thing. You go out and you do all these showcases, you know, you get the best deal possible. Right. And this knucklehead is, you know, borderline destroying his opportunity in the business because, you know, he wanted to be the tough guy and eat hell's fire and shit his pants and he couldn't leave his place for a day and a half because he was going to shit. He, he had to perform that night under the threat of an explosion at all times. Wow. Oh, Fortunately, he was talented. That's another one. Oh, <laughs> Who doesn't love a good poop story, huh? Uh, thanks. Well, so you got into comedy. <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is, is uh, as a tour manager, and the reason why the music thing ties into it is because as a tour manager, the radio stuff aside, I felt like all I was ever doing was entertaining people. Like, that was part of my job. Sure, it was get in the car, go here, but it's a lot of driving. A hand job here every hand job. <laughs> One of, the same guy got a man job, and uh, he, you know, he thought he was with a girl, and then it oh. turns out in the end he ended up getting it. We called it a man job he in, the, in the back of the van. This guy shouldn't be left alone. Oh, no, he should not have. Self-destructive. So anyway, um, uh, I don't even know if that story is true, but it sounds good it when sounds I say good. it. Yeah, it it sounds works good. with the shit story. It does, yeah. I'm just going to keep saying that. And his Twitter out. handle is, no, I'm just Manjob. <laughs> at Manjob. Yeah, but that's all I did. And I kind of, I kind of like, um, you know, you long drives. Is, and, you, and you probably know this. Like, we would wrap up a show, perform a show at 2 o'clock in the morning. We got to get to the next state. So oh, we're in the so car. Brutal. We're driving all night. Or the van at the time we we had a uh, custom we had a custom I, no we we were we were driving a we were so stupid we got a custom van why don't ask me I have no idea why they got they were fascinated by the they got their they got their deal and they wanted it they wanted it you know the carpet and the whole deal with the with the captain seats you know that swivel the swivel seats and, <laughs> and they, ended up being the they most blew dysfunctional all their profits on so that. many problems with that fucking thing when you should have just got the fifteen pass van take the um, last bench out. And- <laughs> I know the I know the the way to do it, man. It sucks, but, but yeah. So I just at some point I think one of the guys in one of the bands said, you know, you should probably you should try doing stand up and kind of planted the seeds. Stop giving his hand jobs. You should stop talking. <laughs> and if you're gonna talk, talk to other people, not us, because we've had enough. No, but I. I, I was actually I, – I would bring those guys. I, they were busting laughing. So I, I kind of knew that I had something. I kind of always knew I was funny. But then right. it's like it's – but I also – from the Midwest. So I thought that was arrogant of me to think that I was so funny that the world <laughs> needed to hear from me. So I, was, I had this like internal battle of like – of ego. You know, oh, you sound like stage. a comic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then I just started doing it. I just started going on stage. And the second time I went up – because I, I felt comfortable the first time. But when I knew I wanted to do stand-up was the second time I went up, I had to go up after Frank Caliendo. And at that time, he was already a very successful comedian, and he already was on some show. I think, remember that show, Hype? Yes. That was yeah. his first sketch show before he did Matt TV. And, uh, Why I were was, you following him? He just popped in. Oh, he just did a pop in? Popped Ugh, in at the club. That's the worst. And they're like, listen, Frank's going to go up next, and, uh, uh, and we're you're going to go up after him. And I was night. just like, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. It's like second time on stage, and I've already got to follow a professional comedian who's going to destroy the room. And that's the fear is they take Especially the when air out of the room. Especially right. like, when that's impossible. Yeah. And I ended up doing really well. Oh. Mostly because I think I was just so stupid that I didn't really understand the game. I think, you know, you go through that phase where you actually put so much importance on every single set right. that you freak out. Now I don't freak out anymore, that's but like the back one, then. I'll tell you this, Eddie. That's the one advantage that comedy has over music is when somebody goes on that kills like that, people still sit in the seat waiting for someone that's going to 
hopefully top it. But in music, it's like if somebody no, kills I've like that, people just walk Really? Out. So oh I wouldn't God. have pegged All that. I just thought, I would have always said the exact opposite, that people will just sit this music because it's music is universal. It's just, you can no. sit and just chill Especially out the whole time. No, I've seen stand-up rooms clear out after a big name gets off stage. Really? Yeah. I've never seen that. They're like, okay, that's a good night. Well, if it's like three in the morning or like one in the morning, then I can understand that. What the hell is anybody doing comedy at one o'clock in the morning for anyway, unless you're doing Brian Swinehart's roast? I've seen a lot of comics like follow like a Dane Cook or somebody like that, and it's like... Dude, that's that's the, that's a tough that's a tough position to be in. Nobody but ever wanted to sit. follow Dane Cook, though. I mean, that's that's kind of like a. It was I, I heard when he first started in New York, people were like, "Oh fuck, Dan, I don't want to go out." They would look at the lineup, and nobody wanted to follow him because he would he would literally own the room. And what I mean by own the room is like people were done after he was done. They there was you, you can you exhaust could, the audience. Yeah, you can. You've they're they're like this is as good as it's going to get tonight. They've made that decision as right. a group, and you're just fucked. You know and what I mean? And then you have to do your comedy. You still have to do it, out. and you should still do. It. Right, right. You should never give up, but there's nothing you can do about it, and you shouldn't hold yourself accountable either. You know? No, I think as any entertainer, like, you have to deal with that, like, winning people over. Even as people are walking out, like, give them a reason to, to come back or stay, or it's, it's tough, but that's how you get good. You I know? will say that I had the, uh, the end of the world, uh, um, set when I, w- I did this bar gig at O'Brien's I think it was uh, O'Brien's yeah. in Santa Monica in Santa Monica and everybody on the show there was like five people on the show right and I was headlining the show and everybody before me was just fucking crushing like it didn't matter what you said I mean you could have said the stupidest joke and people were like yes and at first you go oh no this is not good because then the next guy it's going to eventually peter out right well, it wasn't petering. I mean, it was just like all guns a blazing. It was like the greatest connection that uh, uh, that a group of comedians and an audience could have. It was it was a recipe for success. That's at least that's what I told myself, right? So I get up on stage, and not knowing that as uh, well, I'll explain to you first. I don't want to give it away. So I get up there, and I I mean, I left my first joke on. Crickets. Like, no one was fucking laughing. <laughs> now, I had walked in going, there is no, I mean, like, thinking to myself, this is awesome, right? Yeah, but it's because you get in that, that headset. That was it. That's, I didn't even hear them. Even the crickets are like, fuck this. We're, dude, out, we're out. We're not even going to give you get that, Don't give him anything. No noise. You get in that mindset where you're like, okay, this is, and you kind of relax yourself. No, but it wasn't even that. It, it, it wasn't, it, it, at that moment, it had, I realized now in hindsight, that it had nothing to do with my material, but I was really confused. And it, what happens is you get so as I'm going on doing my set, I'm getting more and more confused as to what is going on here. This is like you're like in your head, you're yeah. In your head. And this is like I literally, when that show was over, dude, I got off the stage, walked out the back door, and contemplated whether I should ever do stand up again because that what had what happened, right? So there happened to be another show the next night, and Chris Fairbanks, the comedian, was there. Mm-hmm. And he walks over to me and he goes, I feel really bad for you. And I go, I know, man, that show last night. He goes, well, you know what happened, right? I go, no. He goes, as you were walking on stage, these people wheeled in this kid that looked like he was dying. And they put him right in the middle of everything. Like he had like a breather thing and all this stuff to see the comedy. And it just bummed out everybody Why in the room. Why was that at O'Brien? And I couldn't see because the room was so dark. Right. I couldn't see anything. But when they brought him in, because it wasn't like a regular wheelchair. It was like, you know, the ones that are kind of half bed, half wheelchair. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of like a lazy boy on wheels. Yes. <laughs> so they bring this guy in here and everybody well, spent the time. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you, you know. get a recliner. Yeah. yeah. 
That sounds way more comfortable than it is. Well, yeah. Well, fair enough. I mean, again, nothing against the kid. This is no. not about the kid. Right. Right. But everybody was like, I am so sad right now. Like, instantly became sad, and they were fucking checked out. But I had no idea, because I couldn't see him in there. And then they ruined the poor kid's comedy show. Yeah. Because they, <laughs> those fucking people. No, no, I ruined the poor kid's comedy show. <laughs> no, it wasn't show. your fault. They all got all hypersensitive and felt bad for this kid who just wanted to see some comedy. So the crowd ruined it, the show. I agree with you on that part, but I also aided and abetted in that ruining of that kid's. <laughs> that kid's probably like, fucking Christ That already. was probably his make-a-wish. Seriously. That, that's he probably not. was like, I just want to see one comedy Just show. one comedy. <laughs> this is what comedy is? This is terrible. <laughs> Wait, so I hear this story that you wrote a script about your vasectomy. Yeah. Talk to us about that. It just sounds crazy. Well, they, you just finished wrapping the movie. You guys just shot... It did, yeah. Based yeah. on the script you co-wrote, I took about three or four days to get my body back uh, to normal because obviously filming anything for a long period of time is uh, very intense. But yeah, no, I. Um, um, long story short, I um, on Facebook, um, I spend most of my time and have for years, and Eddie knows this. I spend most of my time writing about my life um, as a parent. Like I've just evolved. Like I, I went into that world. And I, I do a lot of writing about um, conversations I have with my kids. Like I pay v- very close attention to things that they're saying. Not like kids say the darndest things, but oh my God, this is an amazing conversation. It's right. so ridiculous, right? So I got contacted by uh, this director who uh, named Alonzo Mayo, who had directed a movie called The Story of Luke. And he sent me this cryptic email going, hey, man, um, I'd like to get together with you. And it's like always weird when like anybody's like, I'd like to get together. You're like, uh, <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. That's so long. That's so long. Because it's just it's such, never play that sound. It's so long. No, we take. I always take the kids it's to Universal so Studios. Long. That's about how long it takes for the guy to fake get to the yeah. tram before yeah. you have Thank to. You. Before Thank you have you. to get away from the tram, time. you got to go see the fake Jaws. All right, never mind. So we get together, and he was like, "Hey, man, um, I love your writing style. Um, I want to make a movie, but I don't have a script. We already the money's already in place and all that stuff." And um, he's like, "You know, I." do you want to do something with your kid stuff? And immediately I was like, absolutely not. I do not want to make a movie with children because it's just like, if it's focused on the kids, right. it could just fall flat. And I, and as I was like, but, um, I have this other story I'd love to talk about. And he's like, what's that? I go, have you ever gotten a vasectomy? And he's like, uh, no, I don't even know what that is. He's proving he had no idea. And he, I said, Oh, you know, you get the snippy snip on the testicles. So you don't have any kids anymore. And he's like, why, why would you do that? Like, he was just blown away by the fact, like, why would you let anybody touch your testicles? Yeah. And I was like, I don't want any more kids. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I don't, why would you do that? <laughs> like, he was just so focused on why, why would a man ever do that to himself? So I said to him, I said, listen, man, I really think there's a story here, and I'll explain to you in the bigger picture. But first, I, you need to go home, and you need to ask your wife about vasectomies. You need to go and ask other parents in parent circles about vasectomies, and you'll see how outraged people get within within the parental circle about about vasectomies. It is insane. He comes back a week later. He's like, all right, what kind of movie you want to make? And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> Because he's like, he's like, I have never seen people get in a bigger fight. Because women are very educated about it. Because right. what women's bodies go through just to have babies, first yeah. off, is just is just self-destructive. Yeah. Ed's been there. It's he knows. Awful. And then if a woman doesn't want to have kids anymore, their surgery or the preventative things that they have to do is extremely damaging to their bodies. Right. Men, they just go <clears throat> snip, snip, and 20 minutes later, you're not having kids anymore. And you put a 
bag of frozen peas on your balls for a week and you're God, back in the game. That's hurt though. My goodness. I could tell you the whole story when we get there. But so the bottom line is we decided to write the movie. And I, the, the movie was based on what I explained to him was that there was one day I moved out to Los Angeles in 2000. And obviously I did not move to LA as a current. I was married, got divorced, got in my Mazda 626 and, and headed out, you know, the big time, you know, Hollywood, California. My dream was to not immediately start another family, right? That's not the plan, right? Right. So I remember being in my kids' uh, playground or at their preschool, just sitting there watching my kids and a bunch of other kids, just animals, you know, they're animals at that age, and having a major anxiety attack of like, who the fuck am I? What happened to my life? How did I get here in a minivan? And like, I've lost my balls. I don't, I don't know why these, who are, these are my friends now. What's going on here? And I completely wigged out like, what has happened? I've completely destroyed my plans. And so that is the genesis of the movie where a guy has to get a vasectomy. He has to get a minivan and he has to let go of his life. Like basically that's what it is. And it sounds horrible, but it's true. When you become a parent, you evolve. You literally move on to the next phase of your life. And a lot of dudes are not ready for that. And they <laughs> freak the fuck out right, when that right. happens. And that's what the movie's about. So it's, it's about a guy that's, whose wife lets him go on a little mini rumspringer and all hell breaks loose. That sounds For awesome. those of you who knows, I don't know. What's you know the name of the movie? It's called Frozen Peas. Frozen Peas. That's a good name. You got to put those on the test. He's trying to get that frozen crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. On the searches, yeah. on the search engines. But yeah, we had an amazing cast. Uh, Alonzo was an amazing director. Um, and we really, uh, really, uh, um, you can go to IMDb and you can see all the people in there. I'm not going to start rattling off all the names. Most of our faces you recognize. We don't have a lot of huge stars in it. We do have... Uh, um, Alan Ruck, who was uh, that was one of my favorite, um, you know, guest guys on the on the, on the movie was uh, he was uh, Cameron Fry from, uh, from Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Bueller. Day. That's right. That's right. That's what Stoked about action. that, and a couple other uh, Mindy Sterling was. He's out probably there. like She's, no Ferris, no Ferris lines. You know what? Actually, I was really worried because the DP was like he came he came in that morning that he was first day that he was going to be on set, and he pulls out his Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, limited edition Blu-ray. Uh, and I was like, he's like, yeah, 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 somebody's <laughs> getting an autograph today. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Dude, it's be professional. You should have like, have never a cup it. of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, it's funny because when you when when you have people like that that come from pop culture, it's interesting to watch how people be like they circle them right like sharks because they don't know they they're trying to figure the person out right. like when can I go well, in and Matthew say what Broderick, I want to say. Matthew Broderick is like you cannot bring up Ferris Bueller. That's what I've heard. I got the thing with him. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, how could you not want to bring up Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago, to Abe Froman? Himself? It's a weird thing. I, I, I get it. I, I don't know. I mean, there was some people just get really upset about weird. You know, so having dumb. their thing. I, you you got to respect it because the thing is, what you don't want to do is you don't want to have that experience where like you say the thing and then they lose their shit. Yeah, and then that's the last memory you ever like, have of that person. That's not the know? only thing no. I've done in my life. It ruins everything. <laughs> but to Alan Ruck's uh, uh, credit, he was so well, he was, fine Wasn't with he on Spin he was, City yeah. and some other stuff? He's yeah. done a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. But I got to be honest with you, as cool as the guy was, the whole time I'm sitting there talking to him, you can you ha- you cannot you help your yourself. You're like, you're steering across from somebody and you Think for a moment. You're like, I think I am in the sequel. You know, or you think you're Ferris Bueller yourself? (laughs) It just you get screwed up. I always like whenever I see like someone I'm I've saw in a movie when I was a kid or whatever. Like I did a thing. I'd met uh, Charles Napier a long time ago. I don't know if you guys know Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's that? He was the guy in uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two, and he's like uh, Murdoch. He played Murdoch. He's the guy in Blues Brothers. Like uh, he's always a badass. He's always just an asshole. Yeah. Uh, he's that famous line blues brothers is like see if you can no fucking teeth that guy yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. the blues uh, the 
the country band or whatever. But I met him doing a uh, Christmas gig up in Bakersfield, and like I he he worked on a project I had created as one of the characters. I'm sitting there on set with him, going. I remember watching him on the Blues Brothers. I'm just like my head starts spinning. Like, how did our our life path go <laughs> from him being in a TV set to being on set with me? Like, it was just like just thinking about how your lives intersect at such weird points. It's just and the reason why I mean to me, and I'm sure this is probably why it was so it's so weird to you as well, is because we didn't grow up in L.A. Right. So I grew yeah. up in Racine, Wisconsin. You weren't seeing any stars suburbs, from there. Yeah. You know, you were from Virginia. So it's like, right, Virginia? Yeah. If you yeah. saw a pro athlete, you went, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that was, was the just, closest you got to a movie star. So when you get out here, you're just like, oh, okay, yeah, there they are. And I guess you can work with them. Like, as if somehow or another, you're not allowed to work yeah, with them. Like, you get stuck in your head that you're not supposed to ever be a part of that, you know? It's just, yeah, it's just weird to think that your lives cross a path at some point. And you remember watching them when you were a kid on TV. You hear that, kids? Dreams do happen. It's just weird. It's just weird. It's just a weird. It's a. It's a surreal. You're going to embarrass yourself too, children. Just so you know. So how long did it take happen. for you to write the script? So here's the that. thing. So that whole that, that first email that came through Facebook was in February. We started writing in April, and we had our first draft done in May, and we had to have our final draft done in June in order to know that we could film it in late July. So it was a very fast turnaround. It's about I mean, the fastest I've ever heard yeah, of a project it, getting made. The thing, the, the thing is, though... we've had sketch ideas that we haven't yeah. shot. It's been four years. You know, a, a lot of it, though, uh, I think in, in this specific instance for this movie, we were firing it all on cylinders. One, uh, Alonzo is a really, really good writer. You know, so he was easy to work with and he can, he can take information and share it. And for me, obviously, a lot of it was based on my personal experience. Right, so life. I wasn't reaching to kind of create these things. It existed somewhere within my universe. So I was able to crank out information every single day. Like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And like, he was able to take it all and turn it into something. Now it could have been a recipe for disaster, but I also think we we've been around here long enough and I've been unsuccessful long enough to know that if the script wasn't good, I wouldn't have made it. Cause I'm not desperate anymore. You know what I mean? Like right. that was the thing. So I was really excited when we actually had a script that was worthy. Actually, we were very disappointed in some respects because we were making an independent film that we knew could probably go to a studio and make a lot more money. But at the same time, then you kind of calm yourself down and go, yeah, but the studio then would have brought in 17 more writers and changed yeah, everything that changed, you did. Yeah, and changed then the you would have just been marginalized. Yep. So then you go back to reality and say, no, it's actually better to control it yourself and just go for it, which is what we did. And it wasn't easy, but it was, it was fun and it was hot and we laughed a lot. And there's a, I created testicles in that movie and it's going to, I really <laughs> believe that it's going to be one of the funniest things people are going to see in 2016. And I fought, I fought hard for those testicles in the movie because Alonzo was not sold. And we had three meetings where I had to bring in his wife who was producing it with me. And I, I was like, okay, listen, I'm going to say the whole scene. And if your wife laughs, because this is my gauge for writing comedy right. in a script, is if I say it to you the first time and you laugh your ass off, it is naturally funny and you should never waver from that. So right. Right. I just say the scene, she busts out laughing. I'm like, not only is she laughing, but she's also a woman. Win-win. Keep it in the script. It's done. I'm not arguing about it anymore. <laughs> So it better not fall flat because it is. I believe it is. I saw it happen, and I think it's well, really funny. Well, Eddie's Eddie's very excited to see your testicles. I'm very, very, very excited. Can't you tell? Look at look at his face. You see the look at his face when I brought that up. I'm like, oh, this. So you shot the whole thing in four days? No, 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 no. Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. It was a three weeks. It was an independent film. So it's, you shoot uh, it in L.A. Yeah, we did. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, it was. Did you um, get permits or anything? Yep. Oh yeah, it was. It was. It was straight up legit. It's a. I, I was. I was basically. I've been in. And Eddie knows this. I've probably worked in the film business on and off since two thousand one, so I know a lot of people. But I never really had the opportunity to call on a lot of my favors. So. Um, the budget on the film is not going to reflect what you're actually going to see on film because a lot of people stepped up to the plate and, and, and helped me make the movie that I wanted to make. Because I've spent 15 years helping people in this business make their make their films and television Did shows. Did you get and, uh, Mr. Shitty Pants on, on board? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't seen that guy in a long Listen, time. I need a favor. I need a soundtrack. I need you to he could. He'd probably really some good at chili that. flakes. I need you to shit this movie. No, but it was a great experience, and uh, I don't know if I'd ever do it again, but uh, no, I, I hope I can do it over and over well, again. Well, and now, so what's the next step? you got to edit now, right? That'll yeah. That'll take about six months, maybe? Yeah, so um, I, I kind of have a gauge. Because I've been in and around a lot of independent filmmaking, and the way it's changed so quickly, because everything's digital now, if, if you've made a decent product, you can get a product made and distributed and out within less than a year now. Because the distribution models change so much. Most stuff doesn't go to movie theaters anymore. And when right. I say most stuff, I'm talking about stuff right now that has major stars in it that will never see the light of day in a theater. Theaters have changed. Everybody just wants to go see superheroes. And, Blockbuster yeah. movies. Yeah, that, movie that's movies. pretty much it. A couple other things will make it in there. But everything else is going to go digital distribution, which is totally fine. You can still make your money back. So I think, in theory, uh, we should be, by, I say, fall of next year, this movie should be out. That's exciting. Yeah. It seems so far away because I'm so, after working on it and seeing it and knowing how good it went, I'm excited about it. But at the same time, like, all right, I got to calm down because well, it could let still. Let me ask you this. So, like, I did a music video with Flash Mob and I had like a hundred person shoot. It was one day. It took 30 days to edit all the footage for a five minute video. So, you have what? It's an hour and a half, mm-hmm. two hours, you'd say, somewhere yeah. around there. So, you took three weeks. That's got to take close to a year to edit. No, it should. It I mean, won't take that long. How many editors long. do you have? One, but here's the thing, though. It's it's different. Great. It's a feature film, so depending on the, the the editor is also the director. That helps. Makes yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. Music videos are there's so much going on there, though. Yeah. It's so much more complex than your average feature film, and this is a comedy. So there's a lot. It, it, we we design because it's an independent. It was it's there's a, it's it's dialogue driven. Right. So you're not really. But you still have like different camera shoots. Absolutely. Like that, you know. So it's yeah. still going to have those variables. You can dial in. We can. We we uh, our goal is to go to the festivals, and if we want to go to the festivals, we actually have to have it done by. Um, by end of September, yeah, a rough cut. You don't have to. You don't have to submit to a final edit to fe- film festivals, but you have to have something that's fairly decent. So, I mean, that should give you a gauge right now in the fact that uh, we we should have our first edit should be done by the end of September. Wow, that's crazy! It's but you're, be exciting. It is. It's, it's really. I'm, I want. I haven't been able to see the footage yet. I've only seen it, you know, in, in Video Village and just watching it, you know, live. But uh, I, I want to see it pieced together because then you, that's that next level. Of creativity and comedy is is actually the timing of the comedy works with the editing and and yeah Eddie and I talked about this all the time that when you know trying to be funny uh, as a stand up you write your bits you go on stage you got a live audience right there they're telling you what you're doing but when you actually change your creative and you want you want to write a script first it's got to be funny on the page. Then it's got to be cast right. Yep. Then it has to be directed right. Then it has to be acted right. Then it, it has, has to be, be edited right. right. Yeah. yeah right. All these yeah. things that like could you could fail over yeah. and over and over There's again. So many, so many parts of failure of put on it. Yeah. But that's the challenge, and that's why you have to have your act together when you don't. You have to know going in. Okay, I got to get this right. Got to get this right. Got to get through. And you know, 
I don't think um, I think people that cut corners and don't use casting directors. That's where a big a big mistake happens. Were you there for the casting? It, I was. Yeah, that's important. I was, and and the thing is, is even though I was a creative producer on it, and and I did not like pull my card. I re- you have to put a lot of faith in the director. I mean, it's their project. At the end of the day, the director is helming this project and they're going to make or break this project. And and between he and the casting directors, they actually found a really the right cast to to say those words cuz man, when you try to call in favors and I've had a lot of my friends make stuff and they just they'll ask their famous friends to do it the 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 project gets hijacked by that famous person who just goes now nah, this is the way i'm going to do it and they're too scared to say anything right and then it just turns into you know a big hunkin pile of garbage you know that's true i never thought about it like that now you, you, you casting directors and casting you know agents so those those people are very under under but then you also have your friends like hey man can you put me in your movie man? yeah they yeah I have, I have some people that ask me about that I'm looking at one right now. I, I, I never said, put me in your movie. I never said that. Do it, Eddie. Do it. Ask him for the sequel. I never said, put me in your movie. I'll put you in the, end, the full sentence credits. The, um, no, Eddie actually never asked. I actually apologized to him for not. Like I should have brought not, you in. I'm yeah. like, eh. <laughs> you know the problem is you, you get that long list of your friends that you want when you get your opportunity you want to put well, I know, you want but to put I know, like, that's there, why but. I never said it because I, like, I know what he was probably going through I'm like I'm not going to be that guy to go like hey right. man come on there was one of my but friends that, but then again was, you have to look at it like that's why you're not in the movie too <laughs> yeah but it's same like I'm respecting no, what if he had kidding. asked me I would, your sequel? <laughs> if he had asked me though and this is what bums me out is be, if he had asked me I would have made sure that, that he auditioned I just forgot now there was another friend of ours who what wasn't qualified for any of the roles and would not fucking leave me alone and just was like, You gotta get me in for it. And I'm like I'm like, dude, I love you to death, man, but there isn't a single thing in here in this breakdown that you that would, would work for you. And he you, got really bummed out about it. You should have been man. like, I got a position. So. Key grip. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story, I just need to be more annoying to my friends. Exactly. You gotta push No, it, you should have just reminded me. And the only reason why I realized that is because it, when the when the breakdowns went down for the the scripts, people, um, my name was on it, so people would eat, text me and go, "Hey, my agent just sent me in. I'm reading for your movie." You know, blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh, okay, shit. Okay, so people know that I'm doing this versus being anonymous and just showing up right. at the casting session." Should have showed so. up in a disguise. Get the mustache. Then. I still know it's you, Brian. I still know it's you. <laughs> a little like afro, you know, could have made it happen. That cane and the limp does not cover up your face. <laughs> So wait, when can we expect the release? I'm hoping by September. Nice. Sooner if we could. But, you know, the thing is, is like, I think for comedies, you can release them anywhere. Just don't do it during the summer. Right. And when, where are you going to like showcase it at? In Los Angeles? Is that going to be the debut city? You know, I don't know. Um, that's always a financial because decision. The, well, it's also like the film festivals, they want their thing to be the debut a lot of the bigger ones look i'm not gonna kid you we would love to do south by southwest you know film festival we'd love to do sundance we would love to do you know whatever any of those ones toronto any of the ones we can get into you just don't know until your product is done and you don't really know what the temperature of those places are some of them don't comedies are a hard sell i think for a lot of film festivals because you know comedy is you know you look at the oscars it's just an underrated Art yeah. form. Like, people it just is, don't respect comedy. It's not appreciated. No, it's not. And so it's really hard to get into that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just want people to see it. Right. And I, I believe that the, that we wrote a script for an underserved market, which is people who have been married and have children and cannot go out to movies anymore. And when they do, there's just nothing for them to watch. And these people are going to relate to this movie. So yeah, like, this is my movie. This is my story. Now, I will also tell you, I don't, I'm not trying to rule out people who don't have kids and are not married because I've been doing my stand-up. Most of my stand-up evolved 
talking about being a parent and kids in Los Angeles at places like the comedy store where 50% of the people in there were wearing leather pants. The other 50% were single and drunk. And so it's like, that's how I had to, I had to learn how to talk to them right? and explain to them what it's like, you know, what your life is going to be like eventually. Cause everybody says, no, it's not going to be me, but just so you know, I think 87% of all people eventually have children. So you can say you're not going to, but the odds are you're going to accidentally have a child. So you must just listen <laughs> and enjoy it because I'm just kind of telling you what it's going to end up happening, you know, what your life is going to be in. Uh, it, sounds. It, could, it sounds like a future of yours. Fucking dude, I do not miss that, just so you know. <laughs> I do not miss that. I don't understand people that have like 16 kids. No. Dude, that's incredible. No. And Ed and I, have we have moped. We have hugged each other a lot over the years, you know, heterosexual <laughs> man support hugs. Wow. He has wiped my Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's what happens. So Ed calls butt. me. He's in a bind. Okay, who do you call? Another dad, which he shouldn't, but he did. He called me anyway. I need your help. You seem like a decent guy. You're from the Midwest. You don't know how to say no. Clint, come over here. Watch my kid. It's not a big deal. He's napping right now. I got to go do something. I'll be back in a little bit. The minute this guy, I was like, fine, I'll totally do it, right? So I bring my kids over, right? <laughs> And my kids are a little bit older than Eddie's. And so, of course, the minute Ed leaves, guess whose kid gets up immediately? Eddie's kid. That's right. <laughs> guess why he got up? Because he took the world's largest man turd in his Big pants. Old man dump in his diaper. He totally man turded me. Oh, okay. Huge man. And I didn't know at first. It was my kids that were like, I don't want to play with Colton because he smells like poop. And I was like, what? Maybe he just farted. They're like, no, he did not. Like, even the kids were like, nope, that's not a fart poop. That's a poop poop. That's a real poop. That's the real deal. Wipe my kid's butt. Unfortunately, that's where I draw the line. And I think he was was mortified when he found out about it. Because I don't want... Do you want to wipe someone else's butt? If it's not your child. If if your DNA is not in that poop... The answer is no. You do not want to wipe it. I don't know how babysitters do. What are your Twitter handles? What's the website for the movie just before we sign out? There's a Facebook page, Frozen Peas. Yeah, right now we don't... There is no website because we're still too early. Yeah, if you just type in Frozen Peas on Facebook, go there, like like it. You can see the stuff. I'm going to be doing... I did a lot of um, um, actor interviews and stuff like that and some fun stuff that I have not put up, how to create testicles, you know, really good stuff that Ed's excited about. <laughs> and where can people ask you about being in, the, in your next movie on Twitter? <laughs> you don't, I don't even, I'm going to, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Irwin, B-R-Y-A-N-E-R-W-I-N, but you should just find me on Facebook. I live on Facebook because I'm a parent. Or check and out we, YouTube and we've page. Wrecked. you got a lot of funny videos on YouTube page. I'm, I'm big on YouTube. Well, at least I used to be. I'm huge on so. YouTube. I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> All right, YouTube Well, thanks guy. a lot, Brian. Brian Sorry if I talk Brian, too you've been much. an awesome no, 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 you're good. No, you're perfect. good. You're perfect. Perfect. Can you wipe my butt? <laughs> and this is live. I'll be at the Ice House on Thursday with Ian Bag. Oh, there you go. Hey. All right, everybody. I've never had to plug anything in well, years. Well, you just plugged it. <laughs> Ice House, House Thursday that? night, Ian Bag. <laughs> we'll right. see you there. On behalf of Eddie, I'm Nikki. Good night. Good night.